0: Lord God, we do recognize that you are good. Um, Father, that today is a blessing in itself, and that because you tell us that we're not promised tomorrow. So for the fact that we are here today, Father, is truly a gift. We thank you for that. Um, and Lord, as we get into your word, I pray that you will prepare our hearts, that you will open our eyes, that you will open our ears to the truth in which you're going to reveal to us today. And the fact that we all need you. Lord, without your spirit, we are nothing but dry bones. So God, I just pray that you will just truly awaken our hearts and our minds and our spirits today so that way we can truly fulfill the one purpose in which you have called us to do, and that is to go make disciples of all nations. Oh Lord, prepare us for your word. It's in Christ's name. Amen. So this morning, though, we're actually going to be taking a break away from our uh, series through the book of Isaiah uh, we're actually be looking at a different passage this morning. So if you have your Bibles, you go ahead and get those out and open up to the book of Ezekiel. That's right. I'm sure many of you guys have heard the name Ezekiel, probably have never really studied the book. Let's be honest, this book is very, very uh, hard to read at times. But uh, I'm really excited about the message this morning because as I was thinking about what to talk about Um, throughout the week, and I was thinking about VBS with Destination Dig and the idea of archaeology and studying the things of this world and unearthing the truths, I uh, decided to do my own research and to look into some of the greatest archaeological finds that we have in our world today. And so upon this research, I decided that uh, we're going to take a different route. Uh, we're going to stick with the theme of archaeology, which is why I'm dressed the way I am. Uh, I figured I might as well just dress the part, why not? I'm, this is my best archaeology uh, outfit, <laughs> so uh, if, if you think it's great, you can tell me afterwards. If not, you can keep it to yourself, it's fine. So, But upon my research on some of the greatest archaeological finds, uh, I'm just going to list a couple of them. One of them is the city of Pompeii. Uh, how many of you guys have ever heard of the city of Pompeii? Okay, most of us should have because we studied it in school. Uh, but this was once a sophisticated Roman or a sophisticated Roman city that was catastrophically destroyed in AD 79 by a mountain called Mount Vesuvius. Uh, it was covered in ash and uh, it was completely destroyed within 18 hours, they say. Uh, so that was one huge archaeological find. They're still uncovering truths about this city even today. Um, it's an incredible discovery. Another discovery that I came across was the discovery of King Tutankhamun's tomb. Try to say that five times fast, right? Uh, this was discovered by British archaeologist Howard Carter in 1922. And another incredible discovery that I came across as well, one that which is very uh, important for us as Christians today, are the Dead Sea Scrolls. As I said, so this is probably one of the greatest discoveries for us Is as believers in Christianity, because this validates everything that this book says. These scrolls <clears throat> validate and give us assurance about the Word of God and the fact that we can believe it today and that we can have assurance in it. But another uh, great discovery that I came across that really blew my mind was the one of the Terracotta Army. Have, have you guys ever heard of the Terracotta Army? Wow, more than I was expecting, great, okay. I missed that in uh, history class, apparently. So, But the Terracotta Army is actually a pretty incredible discovery. Um, it was discovered by some uh, Chinese farmers. They were going out one day, and they were gonna go dig a well. Let's, uh, then all of a sudden, as they were digging, they came across this Terracotta Army. What a surprise, am I right? Um, you guys see in the pictures, it was a pretty incredible discovery. Uh, Like I said, it was founded in 1974 by these Chinese farmers. And then archaeologists began uncovering more and more of these soldiers. And then as eventually as they uh, uncovered more, they found out that there was over 8,000 soldiers of these terracotta army soldiers. Not only 8,000 soldiers, but there was 130 chariots, 530 horses, and 150 cavalry horses. If, the, if 530 horses wasn't enough, they needed more cavalry horses. So, but after further research, archaeologists believe that the army was created to protect the first emperor of China, and I'm probably going to butcher his name. It's fine, but it's Qin Shi Wang. If you you can go to Google and listen to it, and it's fine. But um, but he uh, this emperor began this project as uh, when he first became emperor so that as he entered the, the afterlife, these soldiers could protect him. Because he believed that out of all those uh, states in China that he conquered in his life, he believed that in his afterlife they would come back to try to defeat him again. So he was like, oh no, that ain't happening. So I'm gonna create 8,000 terracotta soldiers with their horsemen and these chariots and things like that. This is an incredible, incredible discovery. What's even more unique about this is that each uh, statue is uh, is averaged about five foot eleven. Okay, so a little bit taller than me. I'm five nine. Okay, so they average about five foot eleven, and some of them vary according to their ranking. So the higher ranking officers, are, some of them could be up to seven feet. So this was not just a simple project that this emperor commanded his uh, people to do. And the other more amazing thing about this is that none of these soldiers were duplicated. They're all unique. None of them looks the same. So this is an incredible, incredible discovery. So where am I going with all this, you're wondering? And that's a great question. And as I said, after thinking about the theme of VBS and and looking at these archaeological finds, I couldn't help but think of one particular passage that kind of ties into this theme that is found in the book of Ezekiel. And it's in Ezekiel chapter 37, and it is the vision of the Valley of Dry Bones, you see, because when we think about this discovery of, like, the terracotta soldiers from the Chinese army, uh, or for, sorry, from the Chinese farmers who they came across the terracotta army, they were not expecting what they found, right? They would just woke up one day thinking, man, it, uh, we got to go dig a well. So we're just going to go, we're just going to go dig a well. Not expecting to find this huge discovery of terracotta, terracotta armies, right? Well, the same thing is happening with Ezekiel in this book. Because if you go back to Ezekiel chapter 1, I'm just going to read you guys to the first verse here. I just want you to hear what it says. It says, in the 13th year, the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I, Ezekiel, was among the exiles by the Kabar Canal, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. So Ezekiel is waking up one day, just fully expecting to encounter a normal day in exile with the nation of Judah, only for God to come and to encounter him in such a way that was absolutely incredible. And that's what this entire book is about. It's about God's encounter with Ezekiel, all the way up to where we're gonna be looking at today in chapter 37. So let's look there. We're gonna read verses one through 14. And the bones came together bone to its bone, and I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come for or come from the four winds of breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath came into them and they lived and stood on their feet in an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. Pray with me one more time. Lord God, what an incredible vision that you gave Ezekiel here. One that could have easily scared Ezekiel away, one that could have easily just rocked his world, and I'm sure it did. But Lord, this vision still resonates to us today. So I just pray, God, that as we walk through this passage, that you will truly, as I said before, that you will open our hearts and our minds and allow your spirit to come and to fill us. So that way we can become alive as these dry bones. But God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for your word. Oh, spirit, please come and dwell among us this morning. It's in Christ's name. Amen. So as I said, this is an incredible passage that we're seeing here, right? I mean, it it starts off here in these first two verses. And it says that the hand of the Lord came upon Ezekiel and brought him by the Spirit out into the middle of the valley full of bones. I don't know about you guys, but the Lord just automatically, just out of nowhere, called you and put you into a valley of dry bones. I don't know how you would react. I don't know how I would react. I'd probably soil my pants a little bit, if I'm saying. So, but... The Lord calls him out to this valley of dry bones. So you can only imagine what's going through Ezekiel's mind at this time. And it says that he led him around and behold, there were very many bones. Not only were there very many bones, but they were very dry. But get this in verse three, God asks Ezekiel a very peculiar question. He says, son of man, can these bones live? If someone were to walk up to you and take you to a grave and say, hey, can these bones live again? What's the obvious answer? No, no. right? No. But God asks him his, this question. And so you can only imagine what's going through Ezekiel's mind. He's like, okay, Lord, why are you bringing me out here to this place? And then asking me this really weird question that you already know the answer to. But listen to Ezekiel's answer. It says, oh, Lord, you know. Man, that's a smart answer right there. Me, I would have been like, God, why are you asking me such a weird question? And then God probably would have smited me right there. You know what I mean? Like, but Ezekiel says, oh, Lord God, you know. And you go on here to verse, uh, the, uh, verse four through six. And not only do we see God ask him a very odd question, but we see him give him a very odd command. And he says, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And it says, "I will cause you, or I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and to cover you with skin, and to put breath in you, and you shall live." So the Lord commands Ezekiel, who's already probably shocked at this time, to breathe, to prophesy to these bones, and to tell them to come together and to live. And so Ezekiel, out of just I'm sure shock, probably just went ahead and says, "Okay, Lord." If you command me to do it, I'm just going to do it. No hesitation. He says, okay, I'm going to do it. So he went and he prophesied as the Lord commanded. And sure enough, as he commanded these bones, as he prophesied, as he preached to these bones, these bones began to rattle. They began to rattle and they became, and they started coming together. Guys, this is like a scene in a sci fi movie. If I were standing there and saw these bones rattling and out of nowhere they just started shooting together and started forming skeletons and putting sinews and skin on it, I would have screamed like a little girl and ran. So you can only imagine again what Ezekiel is thinking here. And so these bones come together and sinews come to the bones and the flesh comes upon them. And it says that as there, as they, as has happened, There was bodies just laying there, but there was no breath in them. That's a very eerie feeling. It kind of takes me back to the farmers and to the archaeologists who discovered the terracotta army. You just come across these things and you see thousands upon thousands of statues standing there with no breath in them, but they're just standing there. That's an eerie feeling. But the Lord goes on and does something even greater. And he commands and he says, hey, you know what? This is pretty cool, but I'm actually going to tell you to do something else. I'm actually going to tell you to breathe life into them. So he says, now I want you to prophesy to the breath. And I want you to breathe life into these bones. So what we see here when he talks about prophesying to the breath, this is the same breath in which God gave Adam in the very beginning. You see, all these bodies were laying there, and though they looked alive, they weren't really alive. They were missing one of the most essential pieces that we all need in our life today. And that is the breath of life. The same breath in which God gave Adam in the very beginning of creation. That is exactly what we're seeing here. So Ezekiel goes, and he prophesies to the breath as the Lord commanded him. And as he prophesied to the breath, breath came through them all, and they all stood on their feet as an exceedingly great army. This is absolutely incredible. Again, if you were standing in front of that terracotta army and God said, hey, I want you to breathe life into this army. I'm sure you're probably going to think, like, Lord, this is a terracotta army. This is like this is not even bones. This is like clay. But if he says, hey, I want you to breathe life into these bones, I want you to prophesy the breath of these, just go ahead and do it. And you're like, all right, fine. And you do it, and those terracotta army soldiers come to life? That's absolutely incredible. Well, that's exactly what we're seeing here in this passage with Ezekiel. He's prophesying to the breath, and he speaks the breath into these bodies, and these bodies stand on their feet as an exceedingly great army. This is absolutely incredible. But now the question is what is why is God showing Ezekiel this? Why is he allowing him to experience this? And we see that here in verses eleven through fourteen. We see that as he says, a son of man, these bones in which you just brought back to life, the ones that would you just prophesied to and breathed life into, this, these bones are the house of Israel. These are my people. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. You see, the people of Israel or the nation of Judah at this time have been under captivity by the nation of Babylon. And they, at this point uh, in the time of Ezekiel, felt like God had completely abandoned them. Now, this is not because God did abandon them. It's because they broke their covenant with God, if you guys can recall that. Due to their disobedience, God said, okay, because you rejected my covenant, you're going to go into captivity and you're going to face hardship. But what we see here in verses 11 through 14 is that God will not abandon his people. Even though they will experience hardship, even though they will experience captivity and they feel like everything is lost, that they are nothing but dry bones, God says, hey, I don't care how dry you may think you are. I am the God of the universe and I am your God and you are my people and I will breathe life back into you. And this is the reality. Many of us today, whether it's in this room, in our community, in our nation, we are much like the nation of Israel. Many of us feel like we are walking through one of the most driest times in our lives. But God says, listen, if you just come back to me, if you just, if you remain faithful to me, I am there for you. And this dryness in what you're experiencing, you will come out of it because I have the breath of life. And so what we see here in verses 12, it says, therefore prophesy to them, says thus the Lord, behold, I will open up your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves. He says, I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and it will be done, declares the Lord. This is an absolutely amazing picture of God's mercy and compassion and love towards his people. That despite their disobedience and despite our continual disobedience, he is choosing to once again restore us to breathe life back into us. And not only is he choosing to restore us and to bring life back to us, he's choosing to dwell within us. That's what we see here when he talks about when I will put my spirit within you. So that way, when you do face these hard times, you don't have to worry. I am with you. So as I said, despite all they had done to rebel against him, God will still deliver his people from their exile and bring them back into their land. And this should bring us all hope today because despite what we've done to deserve death and separation from the Father, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our trespasses and our sins. And he is faithful to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. So this vision, I hope and pray that this vision serves as a reminder for us of the hope and the life that we have today in the Spirit. And if there's anyone here today who does not understand what it means to walk in the newness of life with Jesus, that today we will get that question answered for you. Because when you walk in the Spirit, you will not not want to follow after the things of the flesh. And when you walk in the Spirit, you have life. And there's nothing that can take that away from you. When this Holy Spirit comes upon you, He is there. He's going to dwell within you, even in your driest moments. Even when you feel like you're part of the valley of dry bones, the Lord is with you and he's going to restore you. This vision also serves to remind us as well the command that has been given to us by Jesus. This is where I'm going to kind of take a shift here. Just as Israel felt like there was no hope for them in captivity, many are walking in the same darkness today. They do not have, they believe that they do not have hope that they don't have life, that they're enslaved to their sins and are walking as enemies of the cross of Christ, destined for eternal separation from the Father. Many people believe this and many people are living this life. They are nothing but dry bones. However, as we see in this vision and ultimately what we see in Jesus, hope is not lost. And for us who believe in Jesus, we are the ones who carry this message of hope. We are the ones who have been commanded to go and to breathe life into these dry bones. For those of us who are in Christ, how are we, how are we going to respond to this question? What are we going to do about it? Think back again to the terracotta army. Again, if God puts you in front of that army and said, speak breath and life into these, into these statues, will you do it? Or you just scoff and say, Lord, are you crazy? Because here's the reality. The Lord does that every single day. Every single day that we wake up, we encounter terracotta statues. We encounter dry bones. They're all around us. And so often we choose to close our eyes to the heart, and our eyes and our hearts to this reality. We, we choose to, to push off the fact that the Lord has commanded us to go and to speak life into these dry bones around us. Whether it's out of fear or inconvenience or just a lack of care, we close ourselves off to these opportunities. And what we see in this passage. Is that, what, is, is that we must be obedient as Ezekiel was obedient to God when the opportunities arise. Like I said, nowhere in this passage when God commands Ezekiel to, to prophesy to the bones or to prophesy to the breath, does he hesitate. God says prophesy, and what does Ezekiel do? He prophesies. Now let me explain something. When we, say, when we see the word prophesy here again, like I said, this is just to go and to proclaim to preach. That's all it is, to speak truth. So, Ezekiel, both times, just goes and he obeys, and incredible things happen. And we guys can experience the same thing today if we walk in that same simple obedience. We are called to proclaim the word of truth as Ezekiel was called to prophesy to the bones. God doesn't call us to go live a self-centered life, nor does he call us to hate, judge, or cast out our enemies, but rather he calls us to go and to make disciples of all nations. As I said, he calls us to go and to love our neighbors despite their baggage because the reality is is that Jesus already took care of their baggage on the cross of Calvary. So we don't have to worry about their baggage anymore. All we gotta do is go speak life into them and to love them and to serve them. You see, we're not called to fix sins, but rather we're called to breathe life upon them and to allow God to take care of the rest. And that's exactly what we see here in verses 12 and 14, where where God says, Ezekiel, go and prophesy. And he did. He did the one thing God commanded him, and we see here that God took care of the rest. Ezekiel prophesied to the bodies. Guess what? The bodies came together, not by Ezekiel's power but by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of God. And then God said, Ezekiel, go breathe, prophesy to the breath, so the breath can come into them. And so he did. And guess what? Breath came into them. Just like breath came into many of us in here today. Praise God for that breath. But that all of that takes place in order. See, God chooses to use us. He doesn't need us. God could have spoken to those bones. God could have spoken to the breath and he could have done everything himself, but he says, no, I choose you. I want you to go and to do the very thing that I've commanded you to do because you're my people. That should humble us to the lowest degree to know that an almighty God desires to use me, to use you, to do his work so again how will we respond will we will we be obedient in the calling which god has placed on our lives to go and make disciples of all nations in this flesh while we're living we all have different career paths and that's that's awesome praise the lord i am not a businessman nor am i a scientist nor am i an archaeologist as you can tell so I'm thankful for the fact that we all have different career paths in this life. But let me tell you something. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, you have one ultimate career path, and that is to be an evangelist. Now, some of y'all are like, whoa, Josh, I was following you until you said evangelist. But let me tell you something. Evangelism at its finest is this. It is the spreading of the Christian gospel by either public preaching or by personal Witness, personal witness, we are all called to be evangelists in this life. If you, are, if you believe in Jesus, we are all called to share the transformational power of the gospel that has transformed you, that has transformed me to those around us. But Jesus, let's think about this as we wrap up our time here. In Matthew 16, verse 24, it says, if anyone were to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. How many of you guys are choosing to take up your cross today? To deny yourself, to take up your cross and to follow after him? The one who came to save you. The one who came to breathe life into you. The one who came to take the penalty of our sin upon himself so that we could have life today. He came and found us in the driest state that we could ever be in. And he brought life back into us. Who are we to say that we are too good to go and do the same? So my last question for you is this, is who in your life today It could even be you, needs to hear the gospel. Who in your life today needs the breath of life? And if, like I said, if that's you and you're in this place today and you need the breath of life, this time that's coming up is for you. As we go into this invitation, I pray that if the Lord is speaking to you, and he is convicting you, piercing your heart, and you feel this overwhelming, heavy sensation in your heart about your sin, that's probably the, that's probably the Holy Spirit talking at your heart, telling you to come home, telling you to surrender it. He's trying to breathe life back into your dry bones. So if that's you, I pray that as we... As we go into a time of prayer and a time of invitation, that you'll come up and that you'll make a decision today to follow him. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the greatest finds in history of archaeology. We thank you for the fact that we were able to unveil the truths of scripture throughout history. Lord, We thank you for just this vision that you gave, Ezekiel of the Valley of Dry Bones, that still resonates in our hearts and our minds today. I just pray God that as we leave this place, so as we go into this time of invitation even, that if any of us feel like we're in the Valley of Dry Bones, Lord, that we will just come and meet you here this morning, that you'll just breathe life into them that they may feel the assurance and the hope and the love in which you have for them, knowing that your, your desire is not for them to perish, but for them to reach repentance and salvation in Christ and Christ alone. So God, I just pray as we go in this time of invitation that you will work. Lord, we lift this to you now. It's in Christ's name. Amen.